0: Welcome to Make It Rain, hosted by me, Josh Smith. I'm a journalist and presenter and I've been lucky enough to sit down and have unfiltered conversations with some truly incredible people. I know from my own personal experiences how powerful talking and crucially listening to others is and without a doubt, my life has been changed by the people I've spoken to over the years some of whom you'll hear from in this very series. I am so excited to invite you to join me each week to meet amazing queens who have overcome challenges in their own lives. They're open up about their journey they've been on to harness their power and wear their crowns with pride. I really hope you'll feel empowered to own your own story and make it rain in your own lives too. In this episode of Make It Rain, we are joined by the star of It's a Sin, Lydia West. If you haven't watched it yet, firstly, where have you been? It's hands down one of the most powerful TV shows, not just right now, but ever. It's a Sin is a heartbreaking look at the queer community in 1980s London as the HIV and AIDS epidemic hits a group of youngsters exploring their identity and sexuality. And we do talk about the series, so this is a massive spoiler alert warning here. Living alongside her fun-loving queer friends is Lydia's Jill, who is a true ally in every sense of the word and cares for her friends in their hour of need. Here Lydia opens up powerfully about friendship, allyship, the most heartbreaking scenes to film, and WTF, why are we still so shocked by sex and sex scenes? I want to dedicate this episode to all the Jills in my life who picked up my pieces and put me back together multiple times. This is for all the Jills out there. So get those crowns at the ready, Jills! Well, hello, babe. Hello, you. (laughs) I'm so excited. This is like a really exciting blind day.
1: (laughs) That's why I had to approach you beforehand on Instagram just to be like, Hey, how
0: are you? <laughs> Babes, you're so smooth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I try.
0: <laughs> she tries, she tries. Well, babe, without further ado, La. La. Honey.
1: La. 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 Yes, you got
0: it. I'm so excited to have you on. And firstly, congrats your Like, let's serve some facts, because we love a fact on this podcast. It's a Sin has already accumulated nearly seven million views on all four and has become their biggest ever instant box set. How amazing has that reaction been and how surprised have you been by it?
1: Oh, it's so amazing. We're all so kind of o- overwhelmed, but just so grateful for kind of everyone who's watching it and who everyone who's loving it, really when we were making it we knew we knew how important this story was we knew how special it was we knew how how sensitive we had to be be with the story and how just really how important it was so for and you kind of everyone in in the team knew what what it was about and what how much it was going to change the world (laughs) but you kind of you never expect it so you kind of just cross your fingers and hope everyone else reacts to it in the way that you you hope and with the love and joy that you've poured into it um and and for a reaction like this for, for kind of everyone to to be positively reviewing it and just being being affected by it and being educated by it and just to raise awareness it just feels like an absolute honour and we're so grateful and so happy.
0: It's so amazing because it also had quite a rough ride to getting to the screen in the first place, right? It got turned down by a number mm. of channels. And then it's it's so shocking because I think we're so ready for this kind of narrative to be told on our screens. And I think these characters are so rich. They are so multidimensional. They've got so much to them. And Jill is this remarkable almost like selfless, incredible human being. And I think everyone's taken a lot away from the characters. For you, how much have you taken away from Jill and what she taught you about yourself, would you say?
1: I think the whole kind of be more Jill is just so important, especially in 2021, we can all do with being a bit more, more compassionate for ourselves and for others kind of just we're in a global health pandemic at the moment where things that our worlds have all been flipped upside down and it can be crazy at times and an emotional roller coaster so just having that compassion for yourself that I think Jill Jill kind of taught me that and just just that love like there's this idea with Jill and with allies in general of just allyship not for not performative allyship but allyship for the sake of allyship mm doing things doing the right thing really and jill is just she just personifies that really she is she just does everything for her friends from a place of love and care and she knows that her voice is is stronger than theirs at times and she really just performs her duties as as a good friend she obviously has a very strong moral compass that we can all kind of look up to and try to aspire to have and just treating people with kindness and care and compassion I think often, I think why Jill has resonated so well with so many people is that often we don't see that on screen, these, this idea of these unsung mm. heroes. We see kind of the protagonist that does this massive thing that you kind of are, are so wowed by and you, you're you affected by, but it's it's never really the people in the background that do all the work and do all the grafting and don't ask for a round of applause, but just do it from a place of love. And um, and we don't see that often, but I'm sure everyone in, in their daily life does it. We all We all have friends that we rely on that are there for us we care for family members we care for relatives and people we don't even know in our jobs in in our everyday life so just to see that on screen I think I think the collective mental health of the UK needed to see it Mm. just to remember really those people that do exist in our life and yeah I'm grateful for the jills in my jills slash bills in my life and I think everyone could just deal
0: with being a little bit more chill. Oh babe, they could do. And also being a bit more chill to ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think you touched on that in your answer, which is so important. Like it's so hard sometimes to be compassionate to ourselves. And especially at these times we're feeling like we have to overachieve. We feel like we have to do 600 different things at once. to feel like we have validation almost. Is there a time you can remember needing to be more compassionate to yourself?
1: Yeah, I think at the start of lockdown, I did. I kind of, as probably so many people did. You see on Instagram all the things that everyone's doing. Everyone's learning an instrument. Everyone's learning a language. Everyone was doing home workouts, and yeah. I became addicted to Netflix and chill Ben and Jerry's ice cream. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it, it just came out at the start of lockdown. I think. Well, I think because I'd never seen it before, and it has like <laughs> peanut butter. Um, pretzel bits uh, it's like vanilla has some chocolate in it and it's so delicious and honestly I got through I would have a whole tub a night like a big size every night and I'd go to the shop maybe three or four times a week to get it and I remember just beating myself up about like kind of just wanting to eat ice cream every day and just wanting to slug around and not really do much and not feeling motivated to go for a workout or FaceTime my friend you know sometimes when you just actually don't want to speak on the phone because there's nothing there's no updates you have nothing to say and you always feel like people at the start of lockdown I felt that people were doing so much more than I was like that people were really busy and they had so much to talk about and I was just like I've done nothing today I've done nothing I've achieved nothing and that was a, a real moment for me to just kind of have some Self-compassion, and reflect, and have some time by myself, and some time with all my thoughts, just to realize that that's okay, and it's okay to do nothing, mm. and it's okay to be sad, and then it's okay to be happy, and then it's okay to to when you want to reach out to people to for, to explain that you are not really in in the headspace to have a conversation today, and having friends that understand that and understand you and are there for you during those times, and also trying to be a good friend during those times to others that are also feeling like that. I think that's what I mainly took away of um, kind of just having that that's and it's just fine if you want to eat ice cream every day bloody do it (laughs) i did
0: (laughs) (laughs) get that ben and jerry's tub out of the freezer and just enjoy it because we need we need that we need our own personal escapism as well i mean it's a it's a tough world out there and i mean with that in mind the world of the 1980s Mm. which is when you watch this you're so kind of shocked that this is Honestly, in living memory, for so many people, and investigating this time for you as an actress, what did you learn that maybe shocks you the most? Oh my
1: gosh, I learned so much. I I did not know. I'd kind of I'd watched a lot. I knew a lot about kind of the the era, the time. I'd watched a lot of fiction, AIDS fiction. I'd read a lot of fiction, mm. and. I thought I I was re- really well informed of the time but it was only digging into the, to the research of the role I learnt, I realized how much I didn't know. I didn't know anything about section 28. I didn't even know when it, it came into place and when it was abolished and what it was. And it it tells mm. such a story the fact that the, the, the promotion of homosexuality in schools was prohibited. It just makes you sick. And it shows just how generational things can be and how trauma lives on. We're mm. we still traumatised by, by that, that law which was imposed by our government in 1988. So that was really shocking and eye-opening for me. Um, The treatment of the patients, there was mainly lesbian nurses that would treat AIDS patients because other nurses and doctors and health professionals refused to. They refused to change their hospital wear, their gowns. They refused to let them eat with forks and and cutlery because they thought it was transmissible via saliva. And when I I was digging into the role of Jill, because I tried... I, I didn't want to be too well informed with medical knowledge and facts, but once you open a door, it's really hard to go back. And uh. with Jill, I I was kind of re- researching around nineteen eighty four, and I saw an article in the New York Times, and it, I think it was one of the covers, and it said, uh, "AIDS is but HIV AIDS is transmissible via saliva." Um, And I remember that there's a. I'm not sure. Am I allowed to spoil things in this podcast? Yeah, you okay. can. You can. Babe. Okay. We love
0: a spoiler. <laughs>
1: so yes, yeah, so the, there's in the scene with um with the mug with Gregory, which is I think is a very symbolic moment in Jill's story. Mm. Um, she comes in and he's drinking from the mug, and this this mug haunts her. The fact that his saliva is on this mug, and there's a close up of his lips touching the mug. And I remember thinking all that must have been going through Jill's head is I could have seen this New York Times article and I could have read that this is transmissible via saliva. And now he's in our house. He's brought the virus into our house, into our life. He has broken my trust because I'm, I'm doing this behind my friend's back. I'm protecting him. And here he is now in our space with this virus that is deadly. And I have to destroy this mug. I have no choice but to destroy this mug, to protect my friends and to get rid of it and to get it out of our house. So I think for for that reason, that moment of Jill smashing the mug is so symbolic because it's almost as if the virus has now entered their house. It's entered the pink pink palace. And I can only imagine what a 20... These kids were in their 20s and friends were just disappearing. It's just just mind-boggling. And these kids, they had no information. They had no access to information. There was no internet they were scrambling for anything that they could, and all the messages that they were receiving from our government was, "Don't die of ignorance, the gay plague, a gravestone falling onto the floor. It's like how brave and courageous must you have been, must Jill have been to have stood up to that and questioned it all and done her research, and sat with patients and held their hand and kissed them and loved them when everyone else turned their back.
0: It's so powerful the role is just I honestly feel like I just every time that Jill came onto the screen I just wanted to give her the biggest hug and Mm. be like what you're going through and the level of grief that was around her constantly it's like you were saying it's Mm mind-blowing we don't experience that in the world that we live in right now well we do in some ways but it's not our age range who's necessarily at risk and when you're actually seeing that on screen it's it's so heartbreaking. and mm-hmm. It must have been even more powerful to have had a real life Jill play your on-screen mother. Yes. What did you learn from her and what wisdom did she impart in you?
1: So she, Russell made it very clear that he didn't want me to mimic anything that she did, kind of any characteristics or character traits. And mm. I, didn't, I didn't ever plan to. I, 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 I don't know really how to do that, but in terms of like performance, but having conversations with Jill, learning about the time they lived in the pink palace she had she had all these these friends and they they went out partying she did she went to the marches, she worked in the West End, and they did charity performances, bucket collections, show nights, just hearing all of her experiences, and she talked about it also positively. I never once heard Jill. Talk about how dreadful it was, and how mm. how sad it was, and how harrowing it was. Which it was all of those things. I'm so certain of. But she just remembered all the life that they, that these friends gave her, and to have someone on set with you playing your mom, who who this character is based loosely on, it just felt all the more special. And and just hearing she was a massive inspiration, and to the point that I was in scenes and I couldn't even keep my the final scene. Ah. Oh, so we did a final scene, which is where they all come home from the Isle of Wight and Jill... Uh, the last to enter the house is Jill's parents. So Jill's parents, mm. Christine and Alan, they walk in and Amari, Roscoe, uh, Amari's character Roscoe says, Jill, they're here. And I remember looking at Jill in that moment and Jill, this is Jill's final moment of breaking down and I remember looking at real life Jill as she walks in and everything, it was so easy to play because everything... Like Just looking into her eyes and seeing her face and thinking about these memories of these dear, dear men that she loved that were gone. And I then had to think about Richie and the way Ollie played Richie and just thinking about that character. It was so easy and it was, it was probably... It was such a cathartic scene because I wanted to break down so many times as Jill because mm. she has such ultimate strength. And that's something that I struggled with because... I'm very sensitive, I'm very emotional, i massive, massively empathetic. So when I could break down finally, I was like, yes, let me cry. Let me cry and let me let it all out. Because it was so hard to just to be so strong. And Jill is just, we must protect Jill at all costs. She is a national treasure and an icon.
0: Oh, babe, when she had that breakdown in the final episode, I was Romeo <laughs> down. I was sobbing, like... <laughs> Ugly crying And there's so many Heartbreaking scenes Was that the hardest one To film and have there been Maybe some you've watched back That actually are almost harder to watch Mm. As well
1: So the hardest scene to film Was the scene at Colin's Bedside where Colin Is is his last um, His last days and He Jill's talking about her show and very remaining very positive she's very optimistic she never lets on that anything's wrong Jill and that was very clear instruction from from Russell and I was in that scene and something just a wave of emotion came over me and I was literally like I said to to Nathaniel who's sitting next to me I said Nathaniel I really need to call my mum and Nathaniel's like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm not okay. And I just broke down and it was just like, everything just came out. And I was like, I'm so, I had to apologize to Peter, but and it was almost mid take. And I apologised to Peter, our director, and I just said, I just need a minute, I just need to take myself out of this. And I took myself out of it. Peter, so supportive, so lovely. The whole cast and crew were. And I just took myself, I went into a little room, and I sat there for 15 minutes. I called my mum, she didn't answer. (laughs) I was like, mum, I I needed you. I bloody needed you, you weren't there. Um, And um, I took myself off, I had a cup of tea, some chocolate, and then I just cried. And then I I went back in, and I just kind of had to switch it on and just be that strength and be that Jill and that was probably the hardest moment. And I remember, it. and it was because we were on the AIDS ward for three weeks because we did all the AIDS ward scenes mm. and it was the final week. And just seeing that AIDS ward, there was like a sign that said infectious diseases enter at your own risk. And it was modeled off one of the London hospital with AIDS wards and there were locks in the doors and, Oh, it's just the SAs the supporting artists, they, they were kind of very thin and they had all the KS lesions on their, on, on their skin makeup. And just seeing that, you you feel like you're there and you just you just can't help but but sympathize and empathize with all of these poor poor people that d- dealt with this. And then in terms of watching it back, watching it back now I struggle with the final scene which I I'm watching it weekly with my sister and um we haven't got to episode 5 yet, but I I've, I've watched episode 5 and that final scene with Valerie on the seafront um is is really hard. It's when he says he died yesterday and then there's just silence everything stops, the birds stop singing, and that is just, it's really, really difficult to watch because we have two very strong women. One, his biological mother, Valerie, who doesn't understand him, who's not there for him, who never accepted him, who's filled with shame and and dread and Stigma and every all of those nasty, nasty things, and then we have Jill, who's this maternal, his his lo- his logical mother, who, who's part of Richie's chosen family, which as as you I'm sure you know is so important in the queer community, like having this mm. idea of of chosen family of of people that you connect with and people who accept you for who you are and who celebrate you for who you are and who you can live your true self with. So then we have these two opposite mothers. On almost a standoff, and Valerie is saying to Jill that he, it's it's not her, it's not her fault, and Jill's blaming her, and and it, it, he would you'd had so much time with him in London when I didn't, and it's still a competition for Valerie, but for Jill, she loves Richie, and she just wants what's best for him and she's always accepted him and she's no matter what, even to the point Richie could has admitted to, to, to knowing he was HIV positive and, and, and still having sex and still continuing to infect people because of that guilt and that shame and that stigma mm. that's attached. So for Jill, this is such a moment of just absolute composure because she's lived through this, and she's calm, she's very eloquent, and she doesn't let emotions take over, and she just simply says to Valerie, this is, this is what killed him. You killed him. And
0: you kill so many. Mm. I think the subject of shame, which is what that scene is all about. It's mm-hmm. societal based shame. We don't talk about that enough, even now. And mm-hmm. shame can play out in so many different ways. like. I remember when I was younger, I used to be really shamed at being gay because you used to think, oh my God, I don't fit in. Like, I don't fit into this mold that society's created for me. Like, and then I was carrying around like this awful, like thing I wanted to hide the whole time, which Mm -hmm. is impossible to hide, because I'm super camp, So it's not (laughs) exactly easy to like hide that. But then I was like, now I feel like I wear being gay. It's like a badge of honor. And Mm -hmm. it feels like this badge of honor you can walk around with. And I think one of the things that helps you deal with shame and something you said earlier is having these jills, is having these friendships in your life. And I just think that having that person who can step up for you and be there for you in those moments of shame is the greatest gift of all. Absolutely. Have you experienced that in your own life?
1: Yeah, I think I have a very, I have a chosen family. I have a very supportive family biological Mm. family but I also have a very strong chosen family that I feel connect with me in very different ways so I feel like with my friends I can be my my true authentic self not that I can't with my family but it's just a different dynamics a different relationship Mm. there's a different intimacy there and I've always had that and I've always had very very close friends some of my newest friends I'd, I'd to highlight Callum and Amari from the show we 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 us three, we really. I love all the boys so dearly, and we all have individual very strong friendships. But us three, you know, when you have some so friends that you're so close with, you can actually be speaking a different language, and we don't even understand what we're saying. It's just that, like having that, that those friendships, like, and I know I can go to them to, like, for anything and everything. And we had to build such a close friendship so quickly, so we had to be so vulnerable, and we had to just trust each other and. I would just I I trust them both with my life and you know when you just you kind of have these these friends that you like soul bonds when you just Mm. your souls bond and when you're around those people you just feel so comfortable and so happy and you it feels like you've known each other for years and you're like I just met you yesterday
0: (laughs) But I'm so like that. When I meet those people, I'm literally like, I'm going to give you every single tiny aspect of me. And then, literally, then you're like, waiting to get it back in return. You're like, this is just the most magical. Like, friendship is such a healing thing, it isn't is. it? It is not it It's like the most healing most amazing hug you can get as a human having that amazing connection when yeah. your souls just collide right
1: exactly and i think we put so much emphasis on on relationships giving you everything you you choose yes. this random person that you're attracted to and you expect them to be your companion your 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 chauffeur your your, your, <laughs> your chef your travel partner your your buddy and and like that often doesn't happen because it's really hard to find those things in, in people. It's really hard. But with friends, you build this, you build on for years and years and years. And, and they, I, sometimes you don't appreciate them for what they are. You don't appreciate them for all that they offer you. And they offer you so much. And they can often offer you all the things that you, you want from, say, a romantic relationship. But you can get that all from your friends. And when I learned that, I was like, this is great. <laughs> this is so perfect
0: it's such a great thing to learn isn't it and i think as well jill and i'm getting a sense that you are also the ultimate ally if you could have gone back and been a friend to yourself (gasps) at a different time in your life when would it have been and what would you have said to that you
1: Oh, my gosh. I feel like I've only just learned how to be a friend of myself. <laughs>
0: mm. I feel
1: like I spent so much of my time, especially my formative kind of teenage years, people pleasing and trying to make everyone like me and trying to make everyone else happy. And just I had no sense of, of self or of like what I liked mm. or what I wanted from a friend or what what I needed from a friend um, because I was so, so busy just trying to, to please for the wrong reasons, which I can openly say. Um, so I, I feel like I'd go back to my teenage years and just be like, it's actually okay if, if people don't connect with you or if people don't want to kind of love you for who you are, be that in be friendships and relationships. I feel like there's times like that you can look back and you can say, I wish I was just like, let me hold my own hand. Let me walk with myself. Let me let me not settle for it to be unhappy in relationships and uh, just out of the fear of being alone. So I, mm. I, I feel like that's so often as, as young women, what we do, we kind of, we, we fear being alone because we're conditioned and we're told that society tells us that you have to have a partner and you have to be with someone. And being single is almost like people ask, oh, so, the first question before they ask, how are you? Is that, like, oh, are you seeing anyone at the moment? And you're like, well, oh my god I'm not no and and that (laughs) it's so so learning that that that's okay and it's okay to be be by yourself and not everyone for everyone not to like you or not to connect with you and it doesn't reflect badly on you it's more it's more it's everyone's just in their own journey aren't they so yeah learning that I think um I feel like there's this huge emphasis on self-love on like treating yourself well and hair masks and foot masks and doing all the, eating ice cream, like just all the things that kind of they tell you to do for which means, which equals self-love. And I do all of those, th- those things but that it, I think there's a lot more internal work that needs to be done um in, which is more self-loving than just the external trying to, to to fix something.
0: I think everyone who's watched It's a Sin is gonna, and also gonna listen to this, is gonna be like, damn, Lady West is a queen. (laughs) You are such an amazing queen. But I wanna know, babe, who has passed the crown onto you and inspired you (gasps) the most?
1: I am really inspired by my sister. My sister, I've I've recently moved in with her a couple of months ago, and I have learned so much from her. My sister is, she's a bit older than me. She's so independent, and kind, and loving, and nurturing, and she's really taught me unconditional love. I always loved her, of course, my sister, and and <laughs> I, I I I know what it means to love to to love someone and unconditionally. But with my sister, it's just different. It's that kind of. I just want the best for her and I know she wants the best for me she's so supportive she's so encouraging I can be there she's there for me when when we're having good times or when when there's there's struggles and I'm there it's there for her equally and she almost feels like my child like I I worry about her when she leaves the house I think about her non-stop I I text her non-stop (laughs) I'm basically really attached to her (laughs)
0: bit weird but
1: no I just I, I just living with her I've learned so much about her that I didn't know and I'm like wow mm. I, I there's so much that I'm learning about you and you're so special and kind and she she definitely teaches me every day how to be a better person and so for that I think she's handing down her crown
0: yes and you are wearing it with pride <laughs> right now honey queen we're gonna hit an ad break right now but stay tuned and we'll be back after this to talk more about it's a Sin, and how Lady West is the queen of the moment. <laughs> so, welcome back to Make It Rain. We are in the Pink Palace. Le Palais du we Pink. Ah. Are... <laughs> well, <laughs> babe, we've touched on the more heartbreaking scenes to film. But it does look like you had the time of your life filming this as well. What was maybe the biggest hoot that you had filming?
1: So everyone knows, because I always talk about it, but my trailer parties (laughs) in the morning, every morning all the boys come to my trailer, I'd hold them at knife point until they pick their favourite 80s tune. (laughs) and we did catwalks we did voguing we just danced around felt good felt it felt confident felt amazing and put it on instagram and it just became a thing that every day and then channel four loved it and they were like lydia we want to use this as our advertising campaign and i was like i just want to dance (laughs) we just we're just doing it for fun and um, but for us it was a a chance for us to just at the start of the day just get to, get some of those happy hormones in feel good feel our best self embody the time embody this amazing era because as we've discussed like it is such a devastating horrendous time which which they lived in but also there was so much greatness to come out of the 80s there was so much liberation mm. and color and joy and music and fashion and that that was what we really wanted to embody and try and enjoy and it is overall a celebratory drama it's a celebration of life it's a celebration of these lives that were so richly lived but so it ended so soon ended way too soon so we try to do that with the music with the dancing all of the friendships that you see on screen
0: are real we loved each other so much how special is that <sighs> that is such a special thing to be able to say and i always remember that line that richie says when he's speaking to his mom when he's on his deathbed I mean, he says, like, people forget about how much fun it was exactly like, and I was like, oh my God, like, there is so much fun to be had mm-hmm. in this world. If you're willing to go out there and find it and do it safely, obviously. But like, that's such a special thing to remember.
1: I know. And it's like that that joy and that fun. And also what is interesting is that sex, sex at the time was, it was so liberating and so fun and people were living their truth and having sex and having a great time. And then suddenly like the vocabulary that like what what was associated with sex was aids and mm. and that has that's carried on to through through the 90s and into the 2000s that sex equals aids and when you're gay if you have sex you're going to get aids we need to disassociate those words and, and they obviously are becoming less so now and that's what the kind of the job is of eliminating all that stigma and shame but we we forget that in even in during the 80s most of the the cases the hiv cases that were being spread were through blood transfusion but when you say blood transfusion you don't think oh my god aids you you don't, you just think no. blood transfusion but when when you were to say sex you'd be like oh my gosh this 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 killer virus but but yeah that, that it was so much fun they these these lives they lived so richly and that's what we try to show and we just try to show the joy and and the, the fun and the spirit really that all these young kids had that all in their 20s so ambitious Richie's character is so ambitious he just wants so mm. much more from life he constantly wants more until his dying day and um that is just special
0: <laughs> yeah well also there's still so much stigma around talking about sex which is so ridiculous exactly. like literally like female sexuality people like oh my god i can't believe she's talking about that it's like because even if you look at the controversy that came out about it's a sim where people like were so shocked by these shocking sex scenes and then the way that bridgerton was approached again but also bridgerton had another issue where people like i cannot believe that she's masturbating on camera this on a period drama what the fuck and then but then again the treatment of sex in both of those shows and reaction to them is so different as well because it's like oh my god it's so racy in Bridgerton but then it's so shocking exactly I can't believe that language is still persevering in our society
1: I think it just shows doesn't it just how much kind of work there is still to do on Mm. kind of banishing homophobia transphobia biphobia there's there's still just so much work, work to be done and That is very much for the jobs of allies to do.
0: (laughs) Do you feel like now you have an even greater responsibility as an ally or do you feel more of an ally after doing this show?
1: I think I feel both. I think I feel um, I I knew taking the role on was a massive responsibility. And the way I describe it, it's almost like when you see clouds and you see that they look like a sheep, for example, or or an animal, you can kind of trace it, and then when you when you look away, and then if you look again, you see this, and you can't see anything different. You can't you can't unsee it. So, mm. learning about the era, learning about what what people went through, I feel like I have a responsibility now to to help raise awareness. We've all created something monumental and very special and very important, and that 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 was our job. I am an actor, and I will continue to be an actor and play roles. But when you when you see something and you know you know what's right and wrong, I, I do feel the need to to speak speak about it where where I can and use my influence positively. A lot of people from marginalised communities and the LGBT community, for example, they face discrimination, so they don't have the power and the voice and the privilege to be listened to. So it's a job of allies and straight allies to be that voice and to to use that privilege because. Your 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 voice is louder than 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 others. Mm. So knowing that, you you have to do something about it. You have to c- continue the conversation. We have to continue talking. There's still so much stigma and shame that surrounds HIV and AIDS. And every time every time AIDS is present, it basically means that stigma, that shame, that a, a lack of communication, a lack of understanding, disgust is is, is present. But when when HIV is present. It shows acceptance of solidarity, human fa- solidarity, family connections, open, honest conversations, pride, joy. That that's when HIV wins, and HIV, it is no longer a death sentence, and mm. it shouldn't be looked at as if it is. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be ridiculed, or it shouldn't. No one should make, be made to feel anything for their status. But it's when it's when we can't discuss it, and when we have to keep things quiet, and we have to. We have to kind of be be just by ourselves, and that that's when it's dangerous because that's when it's spread and that's when people don't talk. Because I've learned so much and I've just been through so much now, it's hard to then go back and shut the door on it all. So mm. I don't know, as an ally, you kind of, you're given this privilege and you're given this responsibility, might as well do something with it.
0: Oh my God, 100% because discrimination is still happening in our society today, be that in terms of sexuality, be that race. That gender, like Mm -hmm. there's still so much sexism that is still rife in our society as well. How has discrimination played out in your own life in that sense? Yeah, and how have you dealt with it when you've experienced it?
1: I think similar, similar to Jill, kind of being a young black woman. There's one scene in in the in doctor's surgery in episode two where Jill goes in and she's speaking to this doctor and she's asking more information about AIDS. And in that scene, we have present, most probably, unwritten misogyny homophobia mm. racism just because of how jill looks and and i i feel like that that's very present in in, in my life too i am very aware of, of who i am of where i come from um and that i am i am from a kind of a marginalized community that i see myself as an ally um and I, I think i think in my everyday life you kind of you kind of face it especially when when you're younger i, I grew up in quite a dance, with, dance background so I had surrounded by quite privileged white families and I knew that I was different I knew that I wasn't that so I had an awareness from a young age that I was I was something that wasn't that so I I think not to get bogged down on it but just just understanding where you come from and trying to accept anyone for who they are and protest for equal rights and just overall equality and fairness really is just it's just what all of humanity should be doing really we all we are all equal and we are all idiots <laughs> really truly
0: <laughs> and it should be empathy first Emp- that's what i don't get yeah empathy first i always think that and i think anyone who's maybe listening to this who feels different for whatever reason that may be i think it's always important that anyone who feels different ultimately that difference can become a superpower, mm-hmm. can't it? Absolutely. Have you found that?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think having like this kind of chosen family and being a lot in in the queer community and being black and being a woman and like I, I celebrate it. I absolutely celebrate it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to be anything else. It's it's so special and it's so it's your power, really. Your identity is your power, and however that however you choose to identify. And I think everyone should have that choice and everyone should be entitled to that choice and no one else can define who you are. It's for you to decide. So I celebrate it fully and embrace it and enjoy it because you are special, really.
0: Just hearing that, I was thinking, oh God, I feel quite emotional talking about this, but I kind of feel like so much like younger me, so needed to hear that. And mm. I never got to hear that. And I wish, do you feel like younger you needed to hear I, I, those kind of I things abso- as well?
1: I absolutely think so. I think, I think... Younger all of us need to hear those things. It's amazing what age does and everything in hindsight. but what what I'm also so proud of it's a sin for is that the, the idea and the thought that younger generations, fifteen 16 year olds, the same way we kind of watch Queer as folk growing up, will watch it's a sin mm. and just just feel like that people's voices are heard. And this is our voices, and we need more more queer stories, more queer tales, because we all love them, and they are a voice that has been shut off for so long, and they're a truth that has been shut off because we've been told to that it needs to be shut off by society, by governments, by rulers, and it's it's not that time anymore. So we celebrate it, and we enjoy who we are, and for young people listening and young young people watching, and, and kind of in in the in the world now, we just kind of hope that you grow up knowing that and not have to learn that later in life. Cause that is so, it's so, so, so powerful. And you can live such a fulfilled, happy life
0: with it, knowing it at your in your younger years. We're all thirsty for a bit more you on our screens. And rumour has it, it's not really rumour, <laughs> cause it's all over the internet, but text for you, <laughs> text you are currently you are. filming, I believe. And also not only are you starring in it, honey, you are in it with Priyanka Chopra Jonas. And another fellow queen, Celine Dion. Celine Dion. Yes. (laughs) W. T. F. What? I know. like Did you like? Did you die when you found out yeah. you were going to be in something alongside them?
1: I did. So I got the sides <laughs> for, the, for the audition. My script scenes did not have any Celine in them, and I, I got to the read through and I read the script. I think the day before, and I, I saw Celine Dion, and I was like, what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Firstly, why is like none of our full names on the on the script? Like, why didn't it say my character's called Lisa? It didn't say Lisa Scott. It didn't say Billy Hughes. Why does it say Celine Dion? It must be Celine Dion. And then I thought, oh my gosh, no, it just it, it must be an actor playing her. Like, there's no way Celine's not an actor, is she? She's an icon, but she's not an actor. And then I and then I get to the read-through, and we're informed that it is actually the real Celine Dion. She's playing herself, and It was so iconic. She wasn't at the read-through. There was someone reading in for her. And I didn't have any scenes with her. But... I remember every morning, kind of getting on set, and I, I did my classic like in my trailer. I didn't have many friends on set. I, <laughs> I play <laughs> whoa, well, it's me. Uh, <laughs> I, I, my in my scenes mainly it's, it's Russell Toby and I. And Russell with I Toby yeah. we worked together in years and years, so it was kind of like reuniting two like hyperactive immature sk- school children <laughs> together. So we were just we, we were just so silly with, with one another. So he was like my bestie, and we we play close friends. But I didn't have anyone in my in. in in my like trailer vicinity that i can call to my trailer and just have a dance with because we were in it for like three weeks and i wasn't about to go and knock on priyanka or celine's trailer and be like excuse me babes we're doing a dance video come in
0: (laughs) (laughs) i honestly think if you knocked on celine's trailer and be like darling um could you just sing in for our dance routines that would be stunning thanks so much see you in 10
1: Oh, and I'm Lydia, by the way. Nice
0: to meet you. Oh, yeah. I love it. Well, I can't believe it, babe, but we've almost come to the end of the episode. I mean, I could literally, like... I think we could talk all day. (laughs) All day, literally. You're probably like, my schedule has gone out the window. But we always end on some royally big questions, darling. Mm. So are you ready for some royally big questions? I'm
1: ready.
0: (laughs) Okay, babe. So... Tell me about a time when you look back now that seemed like a negative, but in retrospect, it feels like a positive.
1: Yeah. So I, uh, when I was growing up, kind of in my teens, I had this really, really close friend. I hope she's not listening, but she's great anyway. and I love her. But <laughs> no. but um, I had this really close. <laughs> I had this really close friend, and we kind of we distanced. We we grew up. We grew apart, and we almost had like a breakup of a friendship. And I feel like it's so mm. hard to break up with friends. Like, we, ne- we don't really discuss it a lot, but friends are the hardest people to break up with. And sometimes you do just grow out of each other and you become different people. And that happened in my in my teens. And I, I remember mourning this friendship and being so, so upset and not really knowing kind of what to do and who, who, how to identify really without this friend. And breaking up, I remember it feeling awful and then kind of we did it we pulled we pulled the plug and we we spent most of our, our early kind of 20s apart and not not as friends and not really really speaking and then we reconnected maybe a couple of years ago and now we're friends but i think how we always should have been friends we're not best best mm. friends we're not obsessed with each other we're not in each other's pockets but we just have a, a level of respect for each other and love for each other and i, I really love her and appreciate her but I, f- I feel like that that's always hard, isn't it? Because you feel like with friends, you owe them so much and you can't have those conversations, but you feel a type of way that you've been through so much. You have to stay there and stay together. But sometimes it's just healthy to grow and to, to blossom and to have those honest conversations and keep it moving.
0: That is totally it. Because I think so many times when you break up with friends, and because we don't ever talk about it, no one talks about no it. One like, no one does. No one does. It's 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 like grieving almost yes. for this like chapter in your life especially if you've been friends with them for a while but then also just recognizing that you know in relationships you can sometimes grow out of people yes. and they have a certain time in your life that works for you you work for them and you move on yeah it's difficult and it's heartbreaking but ultimately it can be the best thing for you in the long run can't Uh, it yeah
1: absolutely and i feel that sometimes we have to feel the need to cling on to cling on to something just to have Mm. something rather than to let something go purely because of because it's just it it served its time really yeah so i think that's quite good that's that's
0: a great little nugget there babe (laughs) (laughs) i'm not gonna go through my favorite (laughs)
1: joking (laughs) watch like after this out, all your friends are in the bin (laughs) (laughs) You're like, no longer serve
0: me. You, no longer serve me too. You. But do you know what? The thing is, I was talking about self-love um, to someone the other day. And we did, and I worked on this self-love um, article that I was working on. And every single person ha- was saying that from this year, they've looked back on what services them, like in terms of friendships. And actually getting rid of these toxic people in your life is the best thing you could ever do for yourself. It
1: is. It is but why do we cling on? why don't we, why why don't we recognize that when 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 romantic relationships when they're bad and when they're they're toxic or when they don't make you feel better ne- not necessarily that they don't make you feel worse but they don't they don't add anything to you they, mm. they just they just drain you of your energy we're very quickly to acknowledge that in a relationship and cut it off but in friendship yeah we make all these allowances and it's just yes. it's just not right <laughs>
0: Yeah, and also if they're a dick, you never call them out. Never. <laughs> You're literally never. I'm so like that. Okay, next question, my babes. When's a time that you've reigned over your life and worn your crown with the most pride? When have you been the most proud of yourself?
1: Mm, I feel very proud of myself now. Yes. I feel proud of myself now. I feel... I feel, I feel a, a sense of pride that we've created something so important and with such a positive message and it's going to change people's life and affect people and influence people. And I feel I feel very proud of it. But it's a group, this is very much a group effort and an ensemble piece and a team effort from cast to the creatives to Russell and everyone. But I, I feel very, very proud and... When I finished, it's the same. When we finished filming, I came home from London to Man- Manchester to London, and I spent that weekend crying. <laughs> that weekend in bed crying, and mourning Jill. And I started a new job on on the Monday, and I remember having to like switch off from Jill and say goodbye to her. And I remember crying, and I remember feeling at the end of it just a huge sense of achievement that it doesn't. I don't care if this, if 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 one person watches this, we have told a story, and we have honoured so many lives that. They now can't. They can't tell their own story. And we, we, we have been that voice. We have given them a voice. We have shone a light on them, and it's a huge part of British history that hasn't been explored. And I just feel really proud to have been selected, to have been involved in that. And I feel so proud when people are sending me messages saying that they they've gone home for the first time and conf- spoken to their parents about their positive status. And when people are sending me messages saying that. They they had many friends that died in the 80s and they remember the time or they wish to live in the Pink Palace or they're having dreams about Richie. That just fills me with so much pride and joy and I'm so mm. grateful and I feel really proud of myself and all of us and you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you should feel so proud of yourself. Like it's... I think it's so interesting whenever I ask that question because so many people never actually get asked when they've been no. the most proud of themselves. And when you actually sit there as a human, you're like, oh my God, where have I actually been proud of myself? But it's so important to find those pockets of pride in your personality, in your life. that You can celebrate because that is, you've got to empower yourself. And I think that is so important. And with that in mind, babe, in the reign of your life, what is the one rule? you are always going to live by
1: I will always endeavour to be kind to everyone and hope people be kind back so just kind of give what I want to receive and just treat people with care love and just just kindness just just try and find kindness in any in any situation and and yeah, be be very generous with that. I'm I'm I try to be, not 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 stingy with with my love. <laughs> Let it all out. Um, in
0: the words of J Lo, love doesn't cost a thing, babe, does it?
1: does <laughs> it not cost a thing. <laughs> it doesn't.
0: She was really onto something in the early noughties and we didn't realize it at the she time. She
1: knew. She knew. <laughs> she-
0: she knew well thank you so much for joining me like I honestly feel like my heart's been nourished by talking to you you are such a special actress and this part is so special and just thank you for giving us this amazing portrayal as Jill you are a queen Lydia West
1: thank you
0: Babe, oh my god i literally (laughs) love you you
1: are literally this this podcast has been the hug that i didn't know i needed
0: (laughs) thank you so much for listening babes i hope you enjoyed this conversation just as much as i have and you're going to take so much away from it and if you haven't already subscribed make sure you subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcasts from So you'll know which amazing queen is joining me next time and make sure you share this around your friends and get those conversations going because we need each other more now than ever before.